0: Hi guys, I'm Sy, welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, we're back at Eat Media, big, big thanks to them as always for hosting us, and I'll uh, today for my story, I'm joined by, uh, some would say the godfather of Welsh journalism, uh, Mr Terry Phillips, how are you my friend? Not so bad, thank you. Thank you for coming in, I'm uh, looking forward to uh, having a chat about your career, a long distinguished career, how long have you been a journalist? Fifty-three years. If you,
1: crazy. If you say I'm still a journalist because I work for Cardiff yeah. City and Cardiff Devils, so I'm sort of still, dabbling. Still
0: dabbling. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, look, that's a that's a long time by any stretch, isn't it? And I think I'm sure there's many stories which we won't get to today. <laughs> but t- talk to me a bit about the sort of the childhood and the early days of Terry Phillips. Like, how did you? What were you like as a kid? I was uh, born in
1: Rochester in Kent. Right. Um, place where Steve Ovett was born as well, and uh, yeah, I grew up playing sport all the time. Um, then I got a job at the Kent Messenger when I was seventeen, but sport was my life. I played all the time. I was, uh, I didn't do very well in my exams at school, and decided to uh, go to college. And eventually, I was offered a job by the Kent Messenger as a basically a copy boy running bits of paper around the mm. office. Uh, and I was supposed to go to college but instead um, I didn't, I went and played sport, yeah. I was playing basketball, <laughs> things <laughs> like that uh, but in the end they kept me on, somebody left the camp messenger and uh, they asked me to stand in for a couple of weeks and I never went again, yeah. never went anywhere else so yeah, so that's how it all started but my, I was an only child in many ways, my brother and sister, half brother and sister are ten years older than me, so, uh, you know, so it's a big difference. Um, big difference, and uh, yeah, but uh, it was good, good growing up. Uh, my mother worked for the Chatham Observer. Oh, okay, she so um, it's in the family. But she was a, an editorial assistant; she wasn't yeah. a journalist. And my uncle was the editor of the Chatham Observer, so oh, I, I okay. didn't my blood, maybe I yeah. don't know. I, so was that
0: something like journalism and writing? Was that something you were interested in from like a, an early standpoint? Apparently, we went to. Butlins or Pontins or somewhere like that, and
1: I went up on stage as a five-year-old, and they asked, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" And I said, "Sports journalist." So that
0: was five years old. So I don't remember that. But no, that's what they, they tell both. me. <laughs> I mean, I remember. Um, well, I must have been about ten or eleven, and um, it must have, yeah, it must have been around that. And um, my dad's sort of we would obviously been talking about like, "Oh, what do you want to do?" do you? And I my first answer was always, oh, you know, "I want to be a footballer," hmm. and yeah. um He said, oh, and then we were talking. We somehow must have got on to like journalists and things like that. And he said, oh, go and uh," probably trying to give me something to do and get get me out of his air in in hindsight. But he sort of said, oh, go and get a piece of paper. Go and watch the, I think it was a Chelsea game on TV or something. And just make some notes Mm. and that. And then write up a report after it. And I did it. And I I did enjoy it. And even after that, I think in the last year of primary school, I wrote like an essay on um Andrey Kanchalskis, because he was Ukrainian or whatever, and I, mm. he just was a player which I really liked. And I was really into, like, writing and yeah. sort of sports journalism, and I, th- I thought that was the way I was going to go. Unfortunately, much like my football and my cricket career, um, I got distracted by girls and other <laughs> such things <laughs> when I was sort of 15, in that sort of age where my younger son is now, where you, like, you really need to sort of focus in a little yes. bit on the exams yeah. and stuff. And uh, yeah, I didn't. I just was more interested in going out and stuff. But you know, such is life with hindsight and things like that. Yes. Um, so, how did you come to end up in Cardiff then?
1: Well, I, uh, I worked at the Kent Messenger. Uh, then I decided to make a move to progress my career. Um, at the time at the Kent Messenger, I was reporting on Gilliam Football Club, yep. um, which was a great time in journalism because newspapers were the. Yeah, the Kings. Means, absolutely. And I used to sit with the manager, Andy Nelson. He'd go training then he'd get in his bath with his fish and chips on his lap. And he'd be eating his chips and I'd be interviewing him. And he'd tell me every player they were interested in and all been watching because there was nowhere for it to go apart from the newspaper. Yeah. And, you know, if I let him down, then that was the end of me. But yeah, of uh, course. Uh, but yeah so that, you know, I went from there to um, the Gloucester. No, the Derby Evening Telegraph mm-hmm. next. Uh, where I covered Nottingham Forest when Cluffy was manager. Brian was Clough. He, oh, he was tremendous. He, sometimes he, you'd arrange to meet him, he wouldn't turn up at all. Mm. Um, and other times he was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, in, um, he <laughs> we were in Sweden for a European Championship game and I was getting from the ground to the airport. And uh, I was hurrying because I needed to get to the airport quickly. And he stopped the team bus and said, young man, get on here and you know, Let me go. and uh, what else did he do? When I was at, um, they played Gravesend and Northfleet in a pre-season friendly when they were European Cup holders and um, he took the trophy out onto the pitch before the game and was holding it aloft for all the fans and et cetera, et cetera and he brought the trophy over to me and plonked it on the press box desk and said, look after that young man. <laughs> um, nowadays, you'd have a team of minders. Yeah, of course you would, yeah. <laughs> That's but he
0: just left it with me for 45 minutes. Wow. He, um, much like Fergie and, and some of those other sort of old school managers, he comes across sometimes in the media, particularly as quite prickly and a bit abrasive. It could be but actually, like when you hear people talk about them, mm. you hear really hear like a different side to them and, and they're quite warm characters, quite mm. funny. But you don't always see that in there. It
1: was it was a, a complex character. I mean, I used to be a good friend with John McGovern, the captain. Yeah, played squash with him a couple of times a week, and he used to say the players never knew how Brian Clough would be. They could go and win five 0 somewhere, and come in and be really negative, and then they would get you know beaten somewhere, and he'd come in and be the opposite. And it's just he, he said you just
0: didn't know. Maybe that was his secret. I don't, know. I don't know. Yeah, and I think I think there's probably something to that. If you like, if you if you if you, if you know what's coming from the manager, you can almost get a bit comfortable. Mm, yeah. Whereas if you're a bit on, not on eggshells, yeah. but like if you're not quite sure which way he's going to go, it's, mm. it keeps you on your toes and keeps you working hard and striving for for more. Um, he always
1: used to turn up in his uh, floppy green sweatshirt, of course, having yeah. played squash, even when they signed Trevor Francis for a million pounds, he turned
0: up in his floppy <laughs> green sweatshirt. A million pounds, that, sounds, <laughs> that seems like yes. such a long time ago. I don't yes. I, God, I remember, that, you know, those days in the early days of sort of the million pound transfers, mm. and I just look back now and I just think, wow, it's like a completely different. I world, go back even I?
1: further when Jimmy Greaves signed for ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine because they didn't want to go to the yeah. the extra pound. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to be the first hundred thousand pound footballer. That's gone it's out of proportion think, now.
0: Yes, I think it won't be long before there's a two hundred million pound footballer. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact. With uh, that striker from Napoli and so many clubs needed a striker in the summer, I don't think he'll be end up going for far off that because of his age and whatnot. Um, So you covered sort of Forrest and uh, Brian Clough, which I'm imagining was quite a must have been quite a satisfying to be able to obviously you do a job which you enjoy. Yes. But you're also rubbing shoulders and speaking to these Yeah, really the players were great. And, it, and, and
1: Cluffy was very open. He'd let his players, you
0: know, Yeah. Um, oh. talk so so you know something which does interest me. Um, and I just thought about it Dominic because now is obviously as a journalist you're trying to get stories and stuff like that and there's stories where you can talk speak to someone and then you can quote them directly. Yes, yeah. But then of course there's stories where you might speak to managers players whoever Mm. and you can't name them you can't name your source or whatever how difficult is it to cultivate those sources and and build trust with people that they can speak to you and they know that you're not gonna that is the key word in my world uh, which is trust
1: Um, without trust you're you're nowhere and the problem the, the journalism is split into more than two but two main bits from newspapers the national journalists who can hit and run, they can go with a big story and splash, and uh, you know upset people if which yeah. stories sometimes do. With the regional journalists, you have to find a balance because you've probably got to speak to them every day. Um, so uh, yeah, um, Malky Mackay was fantastic when he was uh, in Cardiff. Uh, other managers
0: have been really good that I've worked with. It's just uh, you know one or two. They're, they they um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think with the regional side of it and the regional journalists, like you say, you've got to work with the club yeah. to a certain degree and you're, and you're interacting with them every day. So you don't necessarily want to upset them or, but, but sometimes you're going to, or oh, you're uh, bound to. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and that's just the way of the world, isn't it? I think like uh, even like in the world now, as it is with podcasts and, and YouTube channels and, and things like that. And, you know, even you know, TV still is just about clinging on. I think mm, mm. in this day and age. But like, if you've got people who are being assessing or talking about or analysing a sport, whether it's football or mm. ice hockey or cricket or whatever, is if the players watch or read these articles or the managers, they're going to get upset at some point. Particularly if they don't agree with the assessment yep. or they don't mm. agree with the the rating and things like that. Um, so I want to talk to you about a rating because I was reading about well, the only zero rating you ever gave um, yesterday. But before we get to that, I want to get to sort of how you ended up in sunny Wales. Well, I went from Derby. I took the job as assistant sports editor at the Gloucester Citizen, mm.
1: which of course is a rugby city. Um, so I was reporting on uh, Gloucester Rugby Club. I went on tour with them to America, Portugal um, Holland, all over the place, which was fantastic, appeared in front of their tour court twice mm-hmm. and hanging <laughs> judge Lord Fiddler, put his black cap on both times and uh, <laughs> guilty oh yeah but you've got no chance Absolutely. of not being guilty mm-hmm. um, what were the charges though uh well, the first one was sending scurrilous reports back to the u k um which of course you, you yeah. know you might as well just take and I had to drink this horrible drink with things floating in it and uh, <laughs> I was stark naked, stood on a rubbish bin. They just turned upside down in front of forty-five guys. Mm, mm. Um, and at the end, the uh, so it was always good because I was usually the first one up, being the outsider of the group. Yeah. Um, so I could get that out of the way, and then I could relax because I knew yeah. I'd been sorted. Yeah. Um, but the, there was a private prosecution at the end. Uh, John Orwin and John Fiddler, who were both England lock forwards, so six foot plus, massive good guys, yeah. and they had to stand on this bin. But of course. They had to get one feet for each on and cuddle each other to to ballot, mm-hmm. to find their balance. So they were still there facing whatever charges they were facing, and the next person to use the room was the bingo. The uh, bingo girl, and she walked in at the back to see 45 guys looking at two guys stark naked <laughs> on a r- rubbish bin cuddling each yeah, other. She screamed through everything in the air <laughs> and ran. What the heck she thought it was, I
0: don't know. Yeah, <laughs> what was going on? Here? That was in Florida. <laughs> so, you um, obviously you've got to travel a lot through yes, your work. Yeah. Um, what's, your what's your favourite place you've been in the world? Oh, crumbs. Oh,
1: dear. Probably, I've been obviously on holidays, etc. Yeah. as well, but probably sports-wise, America and Canada with Gloucester City. Yeah, uh, yeah, I actually got selected for a team. Oh, okay. Um, Dave Jones selected me as well. He, um, it was against the local university team, and he didn't want his players to get involved, so uh, yeah. gave you, a, gave you, a I got a shirt. And... Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm assuming like. As a regional journalist, like you say, even with the with the the court system there and, and stuff like that, like you are very close to to, to the squads, where, particularly when they're traveling, going on tour like that. You yeah. are, yeah. I travelled with the team. Yeah. So, like, what are some of the sort of more interesting tour stories that you can remember in terms of maybe what people haven't heard and, and things like that? Uh, when we were in Spain, Michael Chopra and
1: some of his uh, friends tipped my room upside down uh, while I was out for a walk. I, stupidly, as a rookie error. I went for a walk and they could see me where I was. Yeah, so I they, they went down to reception, and said, "Oh, we can we have the key for whatever?" And they went in. They tipped everything. It was brilliant because they didn't damage anything. Yeah. They tipped everything upside tipped down. Everything upside they down. cut the bristles off my toothbrush, <laughs> and then wrote in toothpaste. Guess who on the w- on the bathroom mirror, <laughs> and um, <laughs> so that was when Chops was. Did he, did he go to Sunderland? He was just about to leave the club yeah. anyway, so he uh, was on
0: his way. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So he, uh, I have spoken to him about it, and he he had a laugh. <laughs> yeah, they um that group though actually, um which Dave Jones put together sort of with Jay Boffroy yeah. and, and Chops and Kevin, all these people like, they um they they did pie hard f- from speaking to the guys. But also, they were excellent on the pitch, and I think, in some ways, they came so close, didn't they? To, yes. Oh, To, yes. to achieving yep. it, yeah. and it was—you look back at that playoff final and Jay Bothroyd limping off, and I just—we were speaking to—we had me and Kev had um, Jay on the podcast, and it's one of his, um, like, his biggest regrets and yep. his biggest sort of—he mm. looks back on it, and I think that's the—that was a game fans. against Blackpool, you're talking about, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how Cardiff fans feel like they just think he, Jay was so. He was so difficult to play against when he was on it. And I think um, he's another one, mind, he's complex, complex yes. dude, isn't he? Oh, yes. Yeah. But, um, Dave Jones was the only person who ever got a real chip yes. out of him. Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: What I didn't understand that day was why Dave didn't throw Josh McGinnis in, the, yeah. the former goalkeeper, because in the league game against Blackpool, he had terrorised the Blackpool centre-backs just by running out and his aggression and his charge, and they sent on... A who, didn't they? Yeah. Kelvin A who. And it was completely the opposite and never really made an impact. And I just thought McGuinness might have shaken them up a bit. Yeah, especially... Cause Easy to fun. say afterwards, obviously. Yeah,
0: I think, like, Jay offwood was so unplayable at times mm. that season. Yeah. You could see when he went off, they deflated everyone, mm. deflated the players, and mm. it was a big blow. It's one of them where you look back on it. But even, you know, I look back, the one I look back as a Cardiff fan the most is the the FA Cup final versus mm. Portsmouth because I felt like they were really I thought that was our day and I thought like Portsmouth were there for the take and I thought we could have beaten them and um, I, remember, I remember wasn't it when Ram Ramsey was on the bench and yeah. so even as the kickoff sort of came around there was a bit of like a def- not a deflation as such but everyone was a bit like oh, why Rambo that... made his
1: debut that season didn't yeah. he chase down that's right
0: yeah in the first round possibly I don't know yeah. I mean it was in certainly in the early rounds, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? But I mean he was so highly rated at that age. that yeah. like everyone was hoping he was gonna start and I think yeah, it was uh, that I hated that day. It was awful. Mm. We just we still is, it was a goalkeeping error and I I
1: like yeah. the goalie um the Ankleman, yeah. Enkelman. But he uh, he just made a mistake and
0: then Carnu scored. Yeah, I think for some reason I find that one more painful than the Liverpool one because the Liverpool one Never expected to get, you know, never don't expect no, to be no. Liverpool, do you? So to take it to penalties and Ben Turner's last minute equaliser was mm. just phenomenal. Those experiences are the ones which you can take forever yes. with you on Oh, yeah. Like, but I remember, um, like, the, when Ben Turner scored, I was still in a wheelchair at that point from after my accident. So we, me and my wife, were in sort of the disabled uh, mm. section. But I was able to get out on my wheelchair. I just couldn't walk yeah very yeah. far at all. But of course, Ben Turner scored, and I'm like sort of trying to get up, and she's, <laughs> she's pushing me down, and then I'm going nuts. And the stewards going, "What's going on?" <laughs> but it was uh, yeah, it was. They were great days. And look, let's talk about Dave Jones. Um, I'm assuming if he picked you for the team uh, for the, uh, when you were on that tour, I'm assuming. At that point, your relationship was pretty we good. Had, we he? had a terrific relationship at, uh, for a long time. I even went up his house
1: and uh, um, yeah, he just he, he changed when he fell out with um, a colleague of mine, Mark Bloom. Um, they used to meet again for chats, etc. etc. And I don't quite know what happened, but I walked into the training ground one day and they were having, well, Dave was having the words. Mm. He was saying a few things, going over the top, and I said, What's, what's the matter? What's going on? Um, And after that, he changed, he wouldn't speak to any of us. um, And his press um, officer for the club um, told him, he said, look, you've got to keep somewhere open to talk to the newspaper, you can't just ignore them. Um, But he said, no, that's it, done. Uh, I mean, when we were in America, he was knocking on my door, saying, have you got any
0: um, films I can watch and things? Another one, we're talking about complex characters, I think. I got, you know, I know obviously Kevin McNaughton well, and he speaks so highly of him. He, he's so yeah. grateful to yeah. him. Brig brought him over from Scotland, and um, you know he gave him a great run all yeah. the way into the like, and went on and played for Cardiff in the Premier League and played for Scotland and and was phenomenal serving for Cardiff as well. And obviously, and Jake as well says, you know, Jay cannot speak highly enough yeah, of yeah, him because yeah, yeah. he was the a good manager, good manager. But for some reason. Um, but then uh, the other side of that is of course Andy Campbell who off the back of the playoff goal mm. and uh, actually finding a better form for Cardiff suddenly yeah. found himself on the outskirts and training with the reserves for no I think from speaking to Andy that's the thing which hurt him I think yeah. was not not playing like obviously he wanted to play but you know you could accept not being selected mm. I think it's being banished to train with the kids Yeah. Uh, when you have if there hasn't been a, yeah. a proper you know, yeah. disciplinary issue, um, but yeah, I think Dave Jones probably falls into that complex character. Yeah, it, he's um, he is complex.
1: Um, I um, I have one or two fallings out with him, and uh, one of which was at the Pontypridd Town Football Club Centenary Dinner, at which he was speaker, and he did his and and then he did a Q and A. And a friend of mine who was with me at the time, Lee Beams, he was sitting next to me, it was a black tie do and everything, mm. suddenly piped up with, Dave, why won't you speak to the journalists of the South Wales Echo?" So Dave looked at me and said, oh, it's down to you and <laughs> I didn't have a clue he was going to ask that question. Um, and he started having a go about whatever. Um, and I said, look, Dave, just I'll come and see you afterwards, but it's not the time, this yeah. is there. this is the Pontypridd town do. So after all, I went up to the table and just said, come on then let's have it out and uh, but he, he was complex character lovely guy in many ways lovely family um, but at times he could be a little bit awkward
0: yeah it's it's a weird one isn't it because you, you're right you do as a manager of a you know a championship club or or any football club mm. really you need to have contact with the local media particularly in some way shape or form yes yeah. you have to have something in you, and i think if you just sort of banish everyone because there, there was a point um where some people were banned, weren't they, from, like... Yeah, yeah. Were you in that category? No, no, no. Never uh, been banned?
1: Club, I, I have been banned, yeah, I've been banned from... Who banned you? Maidstone United, was banned briefly at Cardiff City, I can't remember who it was now. Probably Sam, probably Sam a I man. Another interesting time. Um, I still speak to him, a lot of us do, you know, he brings yeah. up from the Lebanon every now and again and just does a matter. He's, he's mad about Cardiff City
0: it's sad in, in so many ways it's sad how it's how it's sort of uh, it's, it's it's ended if you like with, with Simon Man because he did so much for Cardiff, mm. and I think in, in many ways he's responsible for getting the fans back in the stadium yes yeah. Um, and up until recently yeah. I think you know the fans were there week in week out when mm. it was pretty full and I think he was a big part of getting people involved like for me that era was an era where it really pushed me from being someone who went now and again just oh my friends are going I'll go and Mm. so you'd go maybe every few weeks or whatever and that era pushed me from that to to getting a season Mm. ticket and to go in every week and and travelling about and I think you deserve credit for that because those those people then who were my age sort of Know eighteen to twenty or whatever it was, like they're the ones who still go now and they take their kids oh. and and it's yeah. the next yeah. generation. And I, I do when I see the empty, st- uh, the en- empty stands over the last couple of years. Sometimes I do think it's worrying, more worrying in some ways than the, um, you know, the football hasn't been great and, at mm. times and mm. stuff like that. I worry more about the empty stands because I think yeah. if you've got empty stands. Where's the next generation going to be? Yes. And then it gets smaller, doesn't it, with mm. each generation because there's less people going. But I don't know, it's uh, it's an interesting one. What's your favorite time of covering Cardiff as a club? Oh, crumbs. Sam was
1: fun. He could be a, a funny guy
0: um, playing
1: tricks on players and he used to pay people to let their tires down at the training ground mm-hmm. and things. And mm-hmm. when he put sheep in Alan Cork's office um, and shut the door. So <laughs> which, um, you know, there were just stupid things he did, but it, it got people laughing. But again, he, he didn't always get it right. He, but he, he, there is no question he's passionate about Cardiff City. Um, he, he wouldn't be still ringing people up and talking to them. No. Uh, because when I first started reporting on Cardiff City, the first game it must have been a bit of unease around the club and the directors heard there was going to be a protest, so they didn't turn up. So the, this protest came up. There was about 20 guys came running up into the director's box at Ninian Park nobody there so they turned came up to the press box and started having a go at me even though I'd only just started covering the club um, security came rushing up and I said no let's, let's leave it Well, so I agreed to meet the guys the next day in Lee Beams's cafe the um, 1927 cafe uh, and I've been friends with a lot of those guys ever since because yeah. I sat there and discussed it with them and uh, yeah they may not always agree with me but you know no yes <laughs>
0: Boring, if everyone agrees, isn't yes. It, isn't it? Um, also, I, I was trying to think then, I was trying to just thinking then, like, um, what owners do I remember sort of as a kid? And I think, um, Rick Wright, yes, and is it, I forget his name, so I think it's Kumar, uh, yeah, Samish Kumar, that's it, yeah. But that I think they're the, f- the first sort of ones that I've got a memory of mm. as a kid, sort of being yeah. the owners, Rick Wright
1: came across quite well, um, I didn't ever meet him, but he, he, from what I've read about him, he mm. seemed a decent enough guy. Um, who followed on after that? It must have been Samish, was it, straight after? Yeah, I think so. Because he bought it, uh, the rumour has it anyway, that he bought it, he borrowed some money to buy it for something like £800,000, the club, and then appointed himself into a position and paid himself enough to pay back the loan, so he didn't actually yeah just didn't pay for yeah, it was really. quite legal there's nothing yeah. wrong with that no. yeah well, um but uh, that's, that that was the rumor effectively <laughs> well and uh, yeah good work if you can get it yes yeah but steve bawley of course was running it for a while yes um and he was another tremendous servant right, oh. who doesn't get enough but credit he used to
0: put his hand in his pocket to to pay bills and keep the club afloat yeah I think I often, when I see people on social media, I try to spend as little time as possible Mm. on there these days. But Mm. over the years, and I see um, people sort of having a go at Steve, and I all I really it leaves a real bitter taste in my mouth because I just think club wouldn't even be there without him. He did his best. He did, and still, he's still doing his best. Yes, absolutely. But like, it just it's like people got short memories. I think sometimes. In terms of. Yeah. people are there: uh, I just wish Vincent very, Tan and Sam could have
1: somehow found a way to work together. I'm not ever going to say they would have been best friends, but for the sake of the club, because I think together they might have got somewhere, because he was going to be
0: president, wasn't he? And yeah, for a way, it looked like he was going to have some sort of role for mm, a while. Wasn't yeah. it? What well, was um, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but it's the way it is. I do like it. Just jumping <laughs> around. Um, the rebrand, obviously, was a massive story in Cardiff yes. particularly, but I think nationally as well, but particularly obviously in Cardiff and the surrounding mm. areas. Um, I've barely been back since, I've got to be honest. Um, that, it killed me. Um, it really damaged the way I sort of viewed football overall, but particularly, like, it didn't feel like
1: mm.
0: my my club as much. as Like, and I, I forced myself to go to a couple of games in the Premier League season, and, and I really, I just wasn't the same mm. and look I have been back um I took my youngest son a couple of times because mm. he wanted to go mm. I'm not gonna you know stop him no nor, no no um but yeah it's been difficult but for me like once I stopped for a, like a year I sort of stopped and I said oh, I'll go, you know I'll go back when they get rid of that god-awful kit mm. and then by the time they got rid of the red kit and went back to the blue my habits had changed on mm. Saturday, you well, know? Yes. Suddenly my wife was like, oh, are are mm. yeah, are around, now you?
1: Yeah. It was a bad decision, but Vincent Tan genuinely thought it was a good thing it, it, from his perspective, not so yeah. from the club's. He genuinely, in his own mind, thought it's a lucky, Red lucky, et cetera. But I think the people around him at the club who knew the background to the club and the history should have just said, don't be so stupid. Yeah. But of course, when you're dealing with your boss, who's from another country, you're a bit, oh, and, and maybe they did, I don't know, but uh, somebody... I actually sat and talked to him once. I, I did a, a video interview with mm-hmm. Vincent Tan, and um, this came after them, and I, said, I tried to explain to him. I said, look, I'll hold my hands up say I'm a lifelong Spurs fan, which I never said while I was recovering in mm-hmm. Cardiff. Um, but I said to him, look, Vincent, if you bought Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, and you suddenly decided Spurs were going to play in green and white hoops. I said the fans would go absolutely berserk, and it's the same here. It's not a red club. It's not.
0: Yes.
1: And he didn't, you know, he didn't. Maybe he did grasp it in the end because they went back. But uh,
0: um, but do you think they went back through a through a business decision as opposed to going back on the, the decision because?
1: I think he realised that he not. not he didn't know a lot about football. He does now, a lot more anyway. Um, but at the time, he didn't. He was coming into something new. He, he made a mistake. Um, mm. Everyone does it, uh, yeah, and everybody does. does, does. It's not. Um, it was just a cost. He, he didn't. He like. didn't. Yeah, he didn't mean mm. any harm by it as such. He thought it was a good thing.
0: Um, unfortunately, the fans didn't. Yeah, it was. It was when it first got announced. It was weird because I remember the first initial sort of announcement or rumours of it. It was like everyone was like... Oh, Of course, years earlier, there'd been rumours that Sam Oman had wanted to do mm. something similar. Oh, yeah, with the badge. And, and he them. had the badge as well and, and stuff like that. So they, but were, they used to play in chocolate and blue, didn't they, in the old days? God, yeah, that's going, back, that's going back a long time. <laughs> but like, I just think... Um, and then it's, the rumours sort of swirled and everyone was like, oh, it can't be true, it can't be true. And then it was like, oh, the club... I think the clubs saw the reaction yeah. and said, oh, no, it's not going to happen. And then a portion of people started to say, well, no, we need the money. And I think, from what I can remember, my memory's not always the best. I think there was something like, if they changed the color, there was Mm. gonna be this 100 million pound investment. And if they didn't change the color and rebrand, then they weren't gonna get this Mm. investment. And to me, just, I only speak for myself, to me, that felt like like almost like emotional blackmail. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't sit right. And I think, obviously, That was such a difficult period and like I asked some of the players who I know about it and they're all even now they don't wanna touch it really. They'll they'll kind of, you know, say a little bit but not much and they'll maybe say a lot without saying anything, if you know what I mean. It's like they don't wanna touch it and I get you know, I understand. But it's I think it says how emotive the subject is. That those players still, even years later, when it's then they retired and mm-hmm. they still don't yeah, want to talk yeah. about it. It's uh, Vincent Tan has
1: done an awful lot of good for the club as well. He's put a lot of his own money into the club, um, and when you think about it, they're still in the second tier. They've been up well, to the Premier League twice. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not it's not all doom and gloom no. by any any means. And he has learned a lot. He he has, and he he's, you know the club is on a decent basis.
0: Um, so two questions then uh... the first question is do you think his time is coming to an end at Cardiff that is purely down to him we can't say that because
1: it would obviously take somebody to come in and, and, yeah, buy, the and buy the club he would need to be at ease with that it may be that he's fallen in love with football i don't know um... he's bought several clubs haven't he around the place yeah. and, uh, he um... when uh... When his club in Belgium, maybe, they were about to win the league anyway, and I was about to go on holiday. I was in Heathrow Airport with my wife, sitting, waiting for in departures. And um, the chief exec rang and said, oh, Terry, um, Vincent's going to whichever club it was. He said, if they win today, they're going to uh, win the league and et cetera. He said, we'd like you to come with us. And I said, well, I can't. I'm just going to America on holiday. And they said, "Well, oh, oh, no, no, we'll pick you up." He said, "We'll drop into Throw and pick you up." I said, "Well, that, how does that work?" You know, but I, I couldn't have walked off and said to my wife, "I'm going yeah. to Belgium now." See later. <laughs> so we went to America, but uh,
0: <laughs> but he, he's put a lot he's, of money into yeah, football. Oh, absolutely, yes. You can't, and that's the one thing you can't um, can't deny that. I think you know he has invested a hell yeah. of a lot into mm. the club, and it's difficult. I get it, and I know, like. Emotional and stuff like that, and you can't deny that I think he's done a lot of good and he's probably kept us going in many yeah, ways. Yeah. Oh,
1: absolutely! Yeah, but um, you got the training ground, is fantastic. Yeah. You know, he used to train in the park across the road at one stage at Ninian Park. god, yeah, <laughs> yes. what about um, what about Peter Risdale? I got on really well with Peter, and he again is a, a complex character. Um, he he was always open with me. Um, I could ring him up and ask. Even now, I can ring him up and say, Do you know anything about this? Or, or uh, anything. I mean, I don't know because I'm not working as a journalist. But, um, but he would always do his best to find out. He'd say, I'll, I'll ring so and so and find out. So, yeah, he's, he's he, like everybody made mistakes. He got a lot of the blame, I think, didn't yes. he, when things went sour. With when it, the Leeds thing everything and came with him, didn't he? As, as yeah. baggage. And when, when things didn't go quite right. People jumped on him, and uh, you know. But again, I mean, would the stadium have been built without him?
0: Without him, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because it was he definitely did a lot towards it, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's an in- that's an interesting one. That is, because I miss Ninian Park though. But yeah, I do too. It. It's uh, I, I've never quite felt the same about the Cardiff City Stadium as I do or as I did for Ninian Park. I just didn't quite have the same relationship, although. I will say, um, since the Wales games have been there, mm, yeah. I think that has definitely improved mm-hmm. things a little bit. Um, on the subject of Wales, uh, you would have covered a few different regimes yes, under the yeah. the world. Well, were you there for the Bobby Goulds? Yes. Yeah. Wow, that was an interesting one. Bo- Bobby was
1: uh, yes. And crumbs, they had some interesting characters at Cardiff City and around because he was at Cardiff obviously as well. Yes. But, yeah. Um, and I can remember before, when Sam was coming in to take over the club, Cardiff City went to Ireland on pre-season tour. And we were at a place called Longford, maybe. And um, Sam had sent Bobby Gould over to spy on the team, or well, not spy, just watch the team, see yeah. what it was going to report back. And he was hiding in the trees. It was an open sort of ground. He was hiding in the trees, <laughs> trying to peer out. And the fans were walking past him saying, Hey Bobby, hey Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> he was <laughs> trying to hide. <laughs> and it wasn't long after that that it all came in and Sam took over and I think Bobby became manager. Not long after that, did he? No. Yeah. Um, and then on to, to Wales, et cetera, But yes. Vinnie uh, Jones as captain. Vinnie Jones, yes, as a player. To be fair, he made the most of his ability. He, you know, he put
0: himself about. Yeah, it was. Um, it's a weird, just a weird thing on it to yeah. see Vinnie yeah. Jones in a Wales shirt because, I don't think anyone thought that he felt remotely like any allegiance to Wales. Yeah. He's the most cockney guy yeah. possible, isn't he? And it's just it was a it was a strange time mm. for, um, for Welsh football. What about um, like what's been the most difficult story that you've ever had to cover? All oh, crumbs. In a few of those. It's a t- tough one.
1: There was times when there were financial irregularities being claimed, um, and I got a lot of calls from um, from out from people outside the club saying, "Oh, yeah, this is happening. This is happening," and they were claiming to be um, agents of something or other. And I've met loads of them. I even took Peter Ridsdale down in the end to to. Uh, to meet up with them, but nothing ever came of that, and I don't know what it was all about in the end. But uh, that was a tough one because I couldn't work out what was there and what yeah. wasn't there. It was uh, it was a difficult one. Um, uh, crumbs, it's always difficult when managers are moved on. Um, I felt for Alan Cork when he on the way back from Wigan when he lost four 0 didn't they?
0: Mm. Um, uh, that was a tough one. I suppose you build quite a, uh, particularly before I I would imagine before the internet and things come along. Mm. I'd imagine you build quite a rapport and a relationship with these these guys, the yes. managers and the mm. assistants or whatever, coaches and players. So I guess when they get moved on, particularly if they get sacked or if they get you know a bit unceremoniously mm. ousted, mm. Yeah. it must be quite difficult because you've still got to cover it. Yes. Oh yeah. But absolutely. you're also covering what someone who. But Potentially then, it could be a friend, um, or yeah, most of them it. know
1: football and know that you know it's going to be reported on. It's um, and you can't do anything about it. No. Um, and of course, if you if you've got their trust, they'll talk to you about if they can um, about what's gone on. And uh, yes, there've been many, many stories about Cardiff City over the mm. years.
0: <laughs> in your, uh, like in your career covering football, who took criticism the worst? Do you think? Oh, crumbs on the spot a little bit?
1: No, when I, when Melky Mackay first took over, uh, and he he's not one of these, but it was a moment, the first press conference he did, he went through it all, and uh, and he, at the end of it he said, Terry, can you come into my office for a moment, mm. um, and I went in, and he said, um, where do you get that story, I'd splashed on Kenny Miller joining Cardiff, and uh, he said, where do you get that story from, I said, well, I can't tell you that, okay, I said, but, I said, what's the matter with it, he said, it's he swore at me. He said, "It's true. That's <laughs> what's wrong with it." I said, "Well, you can't really criticise me no. for writing something that's true." Um, and he said, "Right, what? Why? Why did this happen?" And I said that we'd fallen out with Dave Jones, and we used to sit in the office, which we did, and say, "Oh, come, on, should we use that?" Said, "Oh, he won't speak to us anyway, so we'll just, yeah, use, just it. use it." Um, as long as it was true, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, which this was. And um, Malky said, "Look, just ring me if you want." Any background, he said. I won't try and stop using it, but at least I'll know what's going on if what's going to go in the paper, etc. So, uh, which you know, Lenny Lawrence was another good one. He was excellent. I used to ring him every morning as he came across Seven Bridge, and he'd go through. uh, um, And when they signed, it was the Australian Tony Vidbar? Yeah, yeah. When they signed him, I was down at Cardiff Central, and I saw this guy stroll in who looked like a footballer and there was a guy with him who looked like an agent. Mm-hmm. So I followed them outside, they jumped in a taxi, and I can't remember if I... Well, anyway, they headed off towards Cardiff, i it would in Park at the time. So I rang Lenny and I said, do you sign in somebody, Lenny? He said, why? I said, I've just seen him come get off the train. at got Card- completely going for it, I didn't know. He said, oh my God, he said, <laughs> he said I'll ring you back as soon as I've spoken to him. <laughs> but he was very good, Lenny, yeah. very good.
0: Um, Mackay is an interesting one for me because I think um universally loved by the fans mm. N- were never in the relegation zone in the Premier League no nope. and then obviously was gone in a, what seemed like overnight yeah yeah um I think if you read like message boards and stuff like that, you kind of knew there was something brewing mm. in the weeks before but e- ultimately if you just followed it in the news and the papers it was pretty overnight thing um you've mentioned a couple of times that he was quite good to deal with. Mm. How was that time at the club to come? It must have been strange because, like I said, we weren't in the relegation zone mm. and whilst we weren't tearing up trees... Only just above, yeah. But we were we were, we were sort of starting to maybe get a couple of draws mm. and wins mm. and it mm. looked like, not that we were safe by any means, but we at least mm. were putting up a fight yeah, to yeah. stay up. Um, and the thing which always interests me with Malky is... The fans love him. But the season we won the championship and the football was not very nice, not very good to watch. It was a lot of one nils and two ones Mm. and you know, last minute goals or like low scoring games. Yeah. It was very practical football. Yeah. But because we just kept winning Mm. and we were top of the league, which was unheard of really, we were never we were always kinda going for the playoffs, weren't we? Rather than sort of up the top. Um the momentum kept going didn't it and it does interest me though because it wasn't the most enjoyable football to watch which are normally they're the managers mm. where the fans will they'll go with it yep. when it's going well but once it starts going badly mm. it will go quickly because yes, the football yep. is not enjoyable and we've seen that with other mm. managers since certainly in recent recent times um, but yeah the Premier League he was never in the, the relegation zone and then obviously. Was sacked. It was a bit of a strange time, I yeah. think.
1: Yeah, yeah. With all the stuff that was going on, on outside of the football, um, there were so many rumours and uh, about what had been mm. texted to yeah. who or texted back or whatever. He got a couple of things wrong. He's paid too much for Cornelius. Who's um,
0: actually gone on and
1: scored a lot of goals? Yeah, well, he was, a, he was a youngster then, and he, I think I did speak to Malky about that, and he said that. He was set to buy him for something like five or six or something like that, and other clubs came in for Cornelia. So he it built yeah. up, and Alki decided to stick with it. Unfortunately, it didn't work for him, and I don't think he didn't play that often. I think he got a bit of a knock. <coughs> um, so, uh, so he got things wrong. But it was they were exciting times because he brought in good players, didn't he? I mean, some, some some reasonable players. Yeah, and, and, uh, there was
0: um, the. Kimbo, yes. to love him. Yes. I thought he was so. I always oh, had high hopes for him, and mm. I. I don't actually know. I like. I thought. You know. I generally will uh, keep an eye on a player after they go from Cardiff, and like obviously Cornelius has gone on and Danish yep. international doing yep. very well. Um, I'd have to. i I'm gonna have to have a look at that later. That's going to bug me. <laughs> um, but I'd be interested to know because I remember when he scores that equaliser against um, Man United in the home game. Yeah. Um, the place that just erupted. Everybody loved yep. him. He was kind of like that. I don't think quite on the level of like an Eddie Johnson, but no. he was he was going in that direction. I think because he he mm. worked hard and he had a bit about him. He wasn't. He hadn't matured though at no. the time. Eddie, no, he was young as well, yeah. wasn't he? And yeah. this is it. It's a lot of those players physically. Physical, yeah. I meant they, huh? yeah. 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 But I mean, he was. I think he was like early twenties, yeah. wasn't he? And yeah. I think Cornelius was young, and there was a couple of others. You know, we had some experience, but some of the players that he brought in were actually probably would have needed mm, yeah. a year or two maybe just to bed in and and get going i don't know it's, it's, it's difficult isn't it because it's a, ultimately it's a it's a business where you don't get time no and that point in time even though it was a while ago i think that was the beginning of managers getting much less time to build mm, yeah something yeah. like these days if you don't get off to a good start as a mm, manager you're no. in trouble within six games. Mm. I mean, we've seen a few managers in the last couple of years go within sort of three, six months in some yeah, cases. Yeah. So, like, how difficult is it when the story, so with Malky, Malky didn't really get sacked for footballing reasons. Obviously, it was more to do with the text messages yes, and things yeah. like this. Like, How difficult is that in terms of covering it? Because obviously, I'm assuming you would have contacted um, like Malky and, yeah. and the others involved. Like, is that tricky to navigate not. just from a humane point of view I guess it is in a way but there are people that are easy
1: to approach and people who aren't um, so you know and Malky was I think there were only a couple of texts attributed to him weren't there yeah you I think could, a lot of it was towards uh, it was Ian, a, Ian was
0: it Ian? yes
1: Yeah. Uh, yes, the, the difference was that Ian had a club phone apparently ah, I see. Malky had his own phone so while they could look through Yes, you know it, uh, but you know it, I felt for Malky in the end because he went a long time struggling to find jobs. He went to Wigan, didn't he, for a little yeah. while. Now he's with Ross County, I
0: think. That, I think he's doing quite well with them, though, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. And look, I thought, regardless of how it kind of went, uh, sort of a bit sour or whatever mm. in the end, they did a tremendous job for Cardiff City. And I think most fans—if you asked fans. Like who's their favourite manager in the last 15-20 yep. years? Most of them would say Marky McGuire. Yeah. Yep. I think Dave Jones would be up there as well. Yes, yep. Because Dave Jones, the football we played under Dave Jones, I think was yeah exquisite and he had a habit of getting people like Jay Boffroy and Chopra and, and players who maybe were not on their necessarily I don't think I don't think Chopra, for instance, was on his like his his last chance in terms of football, but I think you know, he'd had a few issues and mm, and yeah. he got the best out of him. How, who do you think is the most sort of, uh, how can I phrase this, the troubled player, or not troubled in as in problems, I mean, like, uh, can't stay out of trouble in terms of nights out and just things I like that over those, the uh, years. Because I know there's been a, a lot of those over the, the years with Cardiff. The one... especially pre-internet. Leon Jean was
1: the one. Yes. Now, he he, he was technically magnificent. He had such skill. I I saw him in a reserve game. He he was forced into the corner, up to the corner flag, and he had a player either side of him, and somehow he turned with the ball, went past them, and they were still looking at the corner flag. How he did that, I don't know. And at half-time, the the opposing manager took off both his wide men, because Leon was just running amok mock, um, but he lost his way.
0: Um, he was living with Jido for a while, wasn't he? Was it Jido? I don't know. I'm sure he was living.
1: I was there when he was selected to play against QPR away by Alan Cork, and he got his mates around to the team hotel stupidly and was wandering around the hotel and Corky found him and said, look, go to bed, rest. He said, if you don't sleep, don't sleep, but rest your legs. Half an hour later, he was still wandering around with his mates and Corky said, you dropped. And he came to the press box with me and he cried. I said, Leon, you you gotta be professional about it. You gotta, Yeah. and he, he just let himself down. I mean, he was a lovely kid, such a great lad, but he just lost his way too often. And uh, that was uh, the time when Sam put the uh, sheep's testicles clause in Spencer Pryor's contract and it was Spencer and Leon went down to the valleys and uh, Sam supposedly (laughs) served up uh, pita bread and and sheep's testicles Um, and I went round to the kitchen and I said, no
0: it's chicken. <laughs> and everybody was going oh <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, struggling to eat, and it was just chicken. Yeah, everyone I spoke, every single player which we've either I've interviewed or spoken to, or we had on with me and Andy, they all say the same thing about Leon Jean technically the best footballer they've ever seen, but he just for whatever reason couldn't just Couldn't get it together, and I I think, in fairness to the club, they tried everything with him. They tried, they
1: they put him into a a rehab place,
0: didn't they? Yeah, I think he went to rehab. I think I'm sure, uh, I'm 90% sure that at some uh, point, Gilo said he was sure he said he was living with him for a little bit just to try and sort of almost not babysit him, but you know, just keep an eye on him and keep him out of trouble. And yeah, just one of them. I used Um, to
1: be quite close to his uncle, yeah, Um, who's unfortunately passed away now, but. he did his best for Leon, and uh, he had a real chance that kid, but uh, unfortunately, he let it slip through his grasp. Yeah, he's not the not the first, and won't, won't be the last either. Of course, I mean, Phil Ryan had a um, a reputation of, of liking a bit of a drink, didn't he? Liking a bit of a drink, but he's now in uh, religion, isn't he? Is he? He's become uh, yeah a Catholic
0: <coughs> priest. Wow. Um. So, funny world. Yes. Yeah who else was that uh, later Maxwell I think was uh, prone to a few nights out but I think oh, actually, I, I think, think he's in prison Maybe. I don't know I think didn't know is. that I think he is if, it's, if he's not I'll take that out but I'm pretty sure he is um, I didn't know that I'm pretty sure he is
1: I would say But uh, he told me off once because I called him a bustling midfield player Did he He said well, I don't bustle
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have Really, I mean, he's a really nice guy uh, he is he's yes, really he is. funny yeah. but yeah
1: I think he,
0: uh, <laughs> he used to live with Alan Lee. They used to share a house. Oh, Alan Lee, I used to love Alan Lee. Yeah. <laughs> to... Peter Thorne was my favourite player when I was younger. Oh, what a good it's guy that a guy is as well! So nice. Legend. Him
1: and Ernie together.
0: Just uh, the dream
1: team, aren't they? Yes. Um, yes. Recently, um, Matthew Myers, who plays for Cardiff Devils ice hockey, had his testimonial, and the club were going to send a player to. Uh, they were doing a question of sport or something, so they were going to have a player from the rugby club, ice hockey, okay, football, yeah. and, and cricket. And something happened, I think it might have been the plane crash, and so the club decided no, nobody can go to it. Mm. Um, you know, that was a circumstances, so I rang up Robert Earnshaw and said, look, Ernie, can you help out with this? And he went for it straight away, uh, and just represented the club because he wasn't at the club anymore, he couldn't yeah. go and do it. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's a lovely kid. Yeah, we've um, there's been a few over the
0: years, haven't there? Um, I've done a few specials on Robert Earnshaw, I mine mean, with the, yeah. the pull-out, 16-page yeah, uh, things. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I got sure I've got a few of those up in my loft, yeah. I reckon, from over the years. So the only things they like bloody keep hold of is the South Wales Echo, like the pull-outs and stuff yes, after the yeah, playoffs yeah. And, and the rest of it. Um, how was journalism and newspapers specifically, but, but journalism generally changed dramatically because of the internet. Because, like you touched on at the start, you know, back in the day, certainly when I was growing up, newspapers was where you got your news, yes, and then the news in the night, you know, mm. news at 10 or whatever. Like, obviously, that was your bread and butter is the mm. newspapers. South Wales Echo became, and the Western Mail obviously would have grown and became the oh. Wales Online and, and things like this and it's, you know it's the same all around mm. the country with these sort of regional newspapers mm. mm. turning to the various online things like how did that affect the profession overall but also like you personally didn't really affect me because I
1: was getting out as a you know now it's changed completely if you notice a lot of the internet uh, news outlets quote journalists on yeah. stories, are so they saying journalists, somebody or other they reckons play, this might happen they
0: Wales Online quote he, me and uh, Cullen of Central Club I, a lot of the time, they seem to get a lot of their stories from the podcasts we have when I had um, Mehmet Dalman on um, I think it was the second time um, Mehmet Come mm. on so he's been on three times I think two or three but the sec- the second time he came on well, Wales Online used like it was like a week of every day a different yeah. article from the podcast. I was like,
1: I, th- "That's just part of the course." Yeah, of course I've been yeah, to do yeah. No,
0: but that was it. Was very new, it was new to me because I the first time we'd had him on, um, Paul um, abandoned on yeah. Um, me and him had had little, not a argument. We'd had words on the on Twitter because he had published a story which was very clearly taken. Mm directly from Mm. the conversation that had been live the night before but he hadn't mentioned anything about it and loads of people had been like tweeting me and tweeting him ideally you should have told yeah just anything in it just a acknowledgement but like and i didn't even really think of it at that point because i was very naive to it but loads of people had sort of tagged me and tagged him and they were sort of saying you know oh you should have said where you got it from blah, blah blah. And I had said, yeah, it would have been nice. I didn't even, you know, say anything particularly aggressive. It was just like it would have been nice to be credited or something like that. Mm. And um yeah, he sort of said, oh, I don't know. I phoned him this morning and blah blah blah. blah and I was just like, oh, I don't know, right. phone yeah. who? Phoned who? Uh, Mehmet, Darman. Yeah. So he probably did because yeah, Mehmet is did. available. Oh yeah. yes, um, yeah, I mean, I'll net. Still, sh- still shocks me that I'm able to like send him a text and mm. whatnot, yeah. but. That he's that accessible, but I um, like I, I know a lot of my viewers who are Cardiff fans will love me for saying this, but um, me personally, I would not have a bad word, bad word to say about Mehmet Alman. Mm. Um, every time I've interacted with him, every time I've spoken to him, he's been nothing but a gentleman. Yeah. And every time I've interviewed him or had him on a podcast, I gave him the opportunity for it to be pre-recorded. And I gave him the opportunity to do it, have the questions before us. Yeah. And both times he said, how do you normally do it? I said, well, we do them live. That's how we of yeah. do it. We yeah. have footballers on live so yeah. people can ask him questions. Yeah. And he said, right, well, that's what we'll do. And I said, is there anything you don't want me to ask? No, ask me anything. I don't want to answer it. I'll yeah. skirt yeah. around it. And I had so much respect for him for that because I dealt with people who've... I had a cricketer um, who I won't name still um who asked me for nearly three grand for a 30 minute zoom call in the pandemic and i was just like no but <clears throat> you've got people on that end of the spectrum and then uh, there's other people who will be nothing but polite and mm. nothing but yeah. gentlemen and look i'm not naive enough to think that you can get someone on particularly if they're active in football yeah. say um you know when we've had current players on or something you know you might be able to ask him something but they might not always be able to answer it oh yeah because yeah. they they can't so in fairness, in fairness to at Darwin, he tried his best to answer everything we asked him and w- the first show we did with him was predominantly about um, Emiliano Sala and yeah. look he answered e- not one question did he say I won't answer that or yeah. I can't answer that he tried to answer everything as sort of best he could and you know, you could tell maybe there was one or two questions which he kind of like, like I said earlier, said, said, a, said a lot, but without saying too much, mm. but like, you can understand that. It was an ongoing yes thing and stuff like that, and it was the same with the second Terrible, show. that was terrible. Yeah, it was awful. I mean... For his family, the whole thing. It's... It just seems so senseless to me, like, in terms of, it seems wholly avoidable. Yes. Um, but we don't know the ins and outs of it all. Yeah, no, we don't. Um, I I will say that um, I think so. Uh, I certainly think that everyone is uh, obviously the David Ibbotson who obviously was prosecuted. And is it David Ibbotson? The the pilot, uh, yeah. not the pilot. The, the pilot that wasn't found. I don't yeah, think was it. No, it's the the pilot who was the the person who sorted out the flags and yeah. stuff was sort of <coughs> prosecuted or whatever i still stand by like the agent or the, uh, the agent and his son had a massive part to play in putting all that together and i just don't understand why that's never been more of a story in terms of yeah quest the questions which people are asking um i had um harry harris um was a journalist have been yeah i know harry yeah Yeah, and um, I've had him on a couple of times and and we've kind of, he's been on, we did a few shows because he's done a tremendous job in sort of investigating all, everything around the the, the flight and and the ins and outs of it, really very generous and like, it's funny how I got in contact with him, so when is the book originally came out that he wrote about um, the Emiliano Sala sort of tragedy and everything? Um, I saw that this book was coming out. And I was like, oh, I would like to speak to the person who's written yeah, that. And but yeah. I, I was like, I can't find this Harry Harris person anywhere. Um, and then there was this Twitter um, Twitter handle. It was like quite a small account. Didn't have loads of followers. Mm. Didn't have anything like you know Telegraph and yeah. all these different places he's written for. Just it was called uh, Footy Legends or something like that. But all they seemed to be doing was tweeting this book. Mm. So I sent them a DM just on the off chance I said do you know who wrote this book and he was very sort of shadowy and he just went why do you want to know <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like oh, I just want to interview you and then I messaged him on LinkedIn and, but like <laughs> he's a, l- a lovely chap and he like another another like yourself who's just interviewed all these um, yeah. incredible names football around mm-hmm. the world I think he wrote a book on Pele um, fairly yeah, recently twice, as well. Yeah, been around the block he's a Spurs fan as well <laughs> Funny enough. Um, but as a Spurs fan, do you think Harry Kane will still be there next year? Yes. Do you? Yes.
1: Interesting. I said that all last summer as well when everybody said, oh, he's going here, he's going there. Um, it, part of that depends on who they appoint as manager.
0: Um, I think, um, so I said to Rodri, I think two weeks ago, because I'm not a massive Conte fan, um, and I was quite critical of Rodri in the summer because he was said that he thought. United couldn't get Ten Hag, they should go for Conte. And I said, no, Conte the last person they need because yeah, he's yeah. quite he's here, He might win you something, yeah. but he's very similar to Mourinho. He needs a lot of money mm-hmm. and he's in and out. And football's not great. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's what United need. United need to build something. But I said to Rodri a couple of weeks ago, I wouldn't be surprised if Tottenham get Pochettino back in because I think he's probably the one person who might keep Harry Kane there. But I don't know. Harry Kane... Me, I think it's now or never. Yeah, no, well, I agree does, with if that. If he yeah. doesn't go this year, then I think he'll probably stay there for the rest uh, of his career. For the rest of his career, yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I also would say that with United needing that striker now, I think it's where he's got a de- he's got a decision to make, hasn't he? Is, is do I go to United and bet on their project, which is obviously looking pretty good at the moment, mm. or I suppose there's like buy-in and a few few clubs around mm. Europe.
1: That's incredible, that sacking that Julian Nagelsmann. Because nice. they're second in the league. They're in still the in the European league. Champions League and have won every game.
0: And, <laughs> and they're, they're in the cup as well. Did you hear why he got sacked? I um, didn't know. So apparently he got sacked because he started a relationship oh, with yes, a did, female yeah. journalist mm-hmm. um, out in Germany, which is. I mean. So th- the story which I read was that you know, obviously he'd started this relationship with a Fine, um, but the uh, some people within the club had lost trust in him. And I was like, I'm not like, is he gonna? I don't. know I didn't really see the correlation yeah, yeah, between yeah. at all. Consider especially you know if they look if they were struggling, mm. you know they were fourth and they were out of the Champions League and there were stories mm. galore. Yeah, yeah. You'd think, oh Yeah, there's a leak in the dressing room. The manager's not doing a great job, and he's yeah, got yeah. this new relationship, but it just yeah, it's a, b- a baffling one. He might end up at Spurs, man. Uh, Nigel's man. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. It'd be him or Pochettino,
1: I would think. I don't know. Conte's had a difficult season, mind you. He lost three people close to him, and they
0: all died. Yes, yeah um, right. And it's and it just hasn't gone for him, has it? It's just. Uh, yeah, I just didn't. That little meltdown he had a couple of weeks ago, I didn't really. I thought it was a bit. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? thought it was a bit of a performance mm. rather than genuine, uh, like a genuine loss of temper. Mm. Like I, it felt premeditated t- to me. It would have been, yeah. Um, but especially because, like, pleading kind of poverty when he's spent the amount of money that he had just like he bought a lot of players in this year, mm, a lot yeah. of good players as well. Some of them work, some of them haven't. But I just it, it felt very disingenuous to me. And then um, I don't know. But he bought in that Bisuma from Brighton,
1: and uh, each wouldn't fit into the system they wanted to play. No. Not when you got Hoiberg in the, in there as well. You, you know, so hopefully somebody else
0: will come and get the best out of them. But you know, I think managers these days, compared to back in the day, certainly, like when I was younger, if I was playing for a, an academy or a team or a school or whatever. or even when i was a man and i was playing football like if you had a new manager come in they would have a look at the players you've got a couple training sessions Mm. and then they would pick their team and their formation from those players that you've got and what works best for those players but i feel like and i feel like professional managers did that a lot in generally when they especially when they first came in they you know you go with what you've got and yep. you do what's yep. best for that group and then maybe in the summer or transfer windows, mm-hmm. you bring people in Tweak and, it, yeah? and yeah. try and play your sort of style but these days like the new manager will come in first game you'll see him so if he's, like if he prefers three five two or something and he's straight in first game three five two, and then you've got all these players like uh, square pegs in round holes mm-hmm. and, yeah. and it's yeah. difficult isn't it because mm-hmm. Every manager's got a different idea, yeah. and if you're a club like say Chelsea, who changes your manager every year, and who signs every time there's a player up to be signed, they're trying to sign them, you can end up with like a 30-man squad and a different manager every six months. And there was a story going around that I'm sure was true that
1: they had to put more lockers in the changing rooms because it's they've got free. too many players. It's crazy,
0: <laughs> but like. I'll never, like, even, like, I'm not Frank Lampard's biggest fan in terms mm. of being a manager. I don't think, um, I thought he got, like, the Everton job and the Chelsea job. I thought they were too big mm. for where he was. I mm. felt like he should have stayed at Derby mm. and maybe mm-hmm. just, but I understand, you know, he's Chelsea through and through, and I understand him wanting to, to take that sort of dream job. I, I get it, of course I do. Um, but I thought he was actually doing alright at Chelsea. Like, he was bringing in young players, mm. but you could see progression. But you could also see um, like a future with it if you get what I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah. but they just want everything instantly. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. It's something which has stemmed over from the Abramovich era. And yes. So all we need from Cardiff this year is to
1: make sure they stay in the Championship, isn't it? I mean, at the moment they're not too bad, but. Uh, well,
0: they were. Th- they could have done with that Rotherham game not being abandoned. because that was thing, awful. Uh, I mean, did cool. you see some of those videos? That, no, I um, haven't seen the video. Where they were like pushing the the water back onto the pitch and stuff. It was very like they did not seem in a rush, should we say, to to get the game on whatsoever. Mm. And uh, it's, it's frustrating isn't it? because we were one nil up and if we'd won that. That would have been a a real. Because they've gap. applied to start the game again at one nil up. But that uh, that, that will happen. happen. Like, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. There's just there's not a, not a not in a million years. No. That would happen. no. Um, I do think that we we might stay I think just I thought we were going to go down when we got asked the question at Christmas time or just after Christmas who do we think was going to go up and down at the championship in the Premier League and I did I think I said I, I don't want them to and it goes against everything but I won but I just felt like we were this was going to be our season to go down I just felt like
1: mm-hmm.
0: we've been lucky the last couple of seasons we kind of dug out in the last Portion of the season. Um, they've been in the second tier or top um, tier now for t-
1: since
0: 2003, haven't they? Since yeah, yeah. It's a long mm. old time, and I just felt like last year particularly we were we looked like we were gone, mm. and then we just got it together at the right time. a Bit of a managerial change, and they've done that a couple of times recently. Mm. Changed the manager, sort of January time, and they've just. Had enough to stay, but yes, yeah. I think eventually that luck runs out, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. What's your view on Olly Gunnar show when he came in?
0: I just, I just um, don't think. I think he's a lovely guy. Yes. You know? um, and by all accounts, I know a few people who you know uh, are very friendly with him, mm-hmm. and lovely, lovely guy. But I just don't think he's a. a Level mm. manager, T- I think he could be a good coach, like a striker coach or something like that. Mm. I mm. just like the like Man United, he was way out of his but even at Cardiff, like, I listened to some of the, th- the stories mm. that Kev was telling before about certain things, and yeah, it just you know, maybe he's, he's, he's evolved a little bit, but since then, I would like to think.
1: Yeah, the well, I think the team, though, were, were building t- from the back, weren't they, at the time? And it was about Christmas time, I think, they made the change. Yeah, but they and were building went, from the back, and solid, uh, solid. And all of a sudden, it was charge. Yeah, they <laughs> yes, were direct
0: and wingers. And um, you know, it's, uh, but I um, have been told by a, f- a few people, uh, two separate people now, and Kev was one of them, I think, um, that um, at that point, there was people from the top of the club Maybe suggesting that he play certain players or certain things. Mm. Have you ever heard anything along those lines? I've heard that, but I don't know if that's true. I, I never heard it
1: officially. That's put yeah. of that way, but the rumors were going around. Yeah, that's madness. Isn't it? Mm. But um, it happens. Unfortunately, it happens a lot, particularly today. in the Premier League, mm. uh, because you've got. Him. I mean, that player that Spurs signed, DJ Spence. I mean, Conte said he didn't want him, <laughs> and they still signed him. So I, I you
0: know, bizarre like that is isn't it mm. that's just um, and that's when you get to the thing about like, this, like stockpiling players and because mm. if you're signing players the manager's just out and out saying I don't want there's some sort of disconnect there isn't that? Yeah. some sort of problem yeah. um, so when did you sort of finish with journalism on a full time basis oh a couple of years ago I actually took redundancy in the end but it
1: was um, the the uh, with three of us, and they wanted because there'd been a lot of redundancies at Wales Online, unfortunately. Um, but there were three of us, and they wanted one of us to be made redundant. Three football journalists, um, and they have to present you with the terms and et cetera that you're going to get. And when I saw it, I said, "Yeah, come on, then give it. I'll, I'll go." And I went in, and the editor did actually say, "No, you're not going anywhere. We can't afford to lose you." But then he called me back in and said, "Look, I can see that it suits you. With mm. you know, I was about to get my." Pension, etc. He said, uh, so we'll allow it. So uh, off I went. My my trips with Steve Tucker were over, off to away games. Unfortunately, he's passed away now, Stephen. um, What was he like to spend so much time with? Much, much, much better writer than me, in terms of pure talent. Mm. Um, But he used to come up with the odd phrase, which was a bit outlandish, and he upset a couple of. I think once he said about MacPhail. McPhail that uh, Steve McPhail went off presumably to put his DVD collection into order and Stephen didn't like that. Um, uh, Glenn Lovens, he said, like a dash on a pogo stick. He defended like a ond on a pogo stick, which are great lines yeah. in in the context of the story, but it upsets people at the time. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah I can see that. <laughs> but
1: uh, he, d- he was difficult to, to, you know, because you had to go Hundreds and hundreds of miles, just the two of us. Mm. Uh, I remember once when we were coming back from somewhere, we stopped on the way to file some copy in services. Jumped back in the car, we went about another hour in, in towards home. He suddenly realised he'd left his laptop in the services, so we had to go back up, then back. <laughs> mm, <dear. Was laughs> but it we still got there? on pretty well. Was it still there? Yes, the it was. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Yeah. well, the worst one, Stephen. He uh, was rattling his copy out, and uh, uh, at Reading it was, and he, I think he was doing Western Mail. I was doing the Echo, so he would got to fire his copy out pretty swiftly. So I went to the press conference, and he rushed into the press conference, and Malky was up on the top, um, and Steve suddenly came in with a question. said, um, "You must feel upset, Malky." He said, "Why?" He said, "Well." You really should have won that game, and Melky said we did win the game. And Steve said no, you didn't. And Melky said yes, we did. And we were nudging him, said, shut up. <laughs> and he missed a goal. Uh, I mean, he got it sorted pretty swiftly, but no, it was just say. a moment of, uh, which is easily done when you've got yeah, heads down yeah. and you're, you know. And it. Um, that yeah. happened to somebody when I used to work for the. Don't start arguing with the manager, though, do you, about the sport. If you're going to argue with it, so Melky never took it. No, <laughs> he was he was more. But Dave Jones would have uh, taken friends to it. Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Did you ever fall out with like Steve on your road trips? No, no. He he, he was far too easygoing. Um, he'd gone to acting college when he was younger and wanted to be an actor, but then had gone into journalism and. Uh, um, no, he, he he's a, he's a he was a lovely guy two great kids he had they're uh,
0: mm. um, just so sad but uh, yeah absolutely he said um, like I hear a lot of people got a lot of positive things to say about him um, whenever his name sort of comes up in conversation yeah. he's always someone who's quite people seem to remember quite fondly
1: opinionated yes yeah. he used to go on radio, radio wales a lot and argue for all sorts
0: <laughs> I think that's like like Rather, someone um, give an honest opinion, which might ruffle a few feathers mm, than yeah, just yeah. toe the line. One of my least favorite things about things like match of the day and like this sort of stuff now is one of my least things about football media, actually, at the moment, is you have either match of the day where they won't say anything, which will upset anyone, mm. and then you've got talk sport who will say anything but it's so outlandish yes. and stupid that you know what they're they doing they just want a reaction yeah so you are just there's no one just in between just doing a good job and giving mm. decent opinions yeah yeah but yeah. controversially I used to like Stan Collymore on TalkSport mm. but um, yeah just because I, I felt like he did toe the line between honest opinion but not outlandish and Chris Sutton's quite good he's yeah yes, yeah, his moments i prefer him on the tv to the radio or might be doing around <laughs> <laughs> like one he's a bit more he seems to be a bit more um sort of controversial i guess yeah and one than yeah. the other um but like talks about they got like jamie o'hara and gabby bongahor and all these people at the moment and um, and they quite often get like graham soonis in because he i often think graham sooners they just they just need to say mention manchester united and then just let him go and yeah. he comes up with all sorts of oh mm-hmm. like casemiro's a, a steady eddie player and, mm. and all these ridiculous mm-hmm. things that have been <laughs> said but it is funny yes but it's funny to me but then i look at other people and they get so angry by it and they they'd like, they're so angry they have to reply. Mm. They either have to phone up Talk Sport or they have to tweet. I guess that's what they want, isn't it? At the end of the day, that's why they're saying. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. That's why people like those guys, like I just mentioned, that's why they're in the prominent mm. positions on those yes, yeah. um, stations. Mm. So, um, what are you doing with yourself now? A bit of um, this and a bit of that.
1: Yeah, a bit of everything, yeah. yeah it's, uh, I, I write for the Cardiff City programme, um, I write for the Cardiff Devils programme. And yeah, just relax and enjoy. I'm in the Freemasons, so there you go. For, for good or bad. Now we, we it's a good it's a good sociable crowd, and we're going to uh, I think we're attending Glamorgan Wanderers versus Cross Keys Rugby this weekend. Yeah, there you
0: go. <laughs> nice. Sponsoring the match. <laughs>
1: yeah, there you go. That's fine.
0: So, I just I don't, know, I don't know what the weather's going to be like. It's quite sunny at the moment, mm. but like my son's football keeps getting called off every week. It's
1: and I've got a grandson as well who's playing football now, seven uh, years yeah. old, and he's been signed by Total Pro Football or something.
0: Oh yeah, which is seven
1: yeah. years old is and he's been assigned to Almondsbury Town in Bristol. Uh, they live over that way, so yeah, uh, yeah. I love watching him.
0: Uh, yeah, my son, he's fourteen, but they've um, they've only got three games left. But they, if they win those three games, they will probably win the league mm. by a, by a point. I yeah, think. but they'll certainly get promoted. In the top two, mm. so it's a bit tense and a bit exciting and a bit good. But I, I love it because um, my older boy, my oldest boy, was a goalkeeper. He's eighteen now, but he's and he was in the academy system for ages. But he didn't quite um, play for Cardiff and Tapswell And you mm. know, he, he as a just a goalkeeper, he's good enough. Yeah, yeah. But he just he couldn't get past the the nerves and the anxiety mm. of it. Like he got better as he got older, but he just couldn't get past that mm. Like he just really um, you know, just couldn't couldn't settle enough. Yes. But yeah. it's, it's it's big. But I think in some ways, you know, I think um, you mentioned about him sort of being seven. That my son was, to, he was in goals for like Cardiff Development Centre or something when he was about that age, and like food probably until he was halfway through high school and he was playing for taps well by then like he always felt like if he made a mistake that man he was never going to be a professional footballer particularly yep. when he was seven mm. or eight and he couldn't correlate the oh you know you just you're just doing it just to get better coaching and mm. develop and mm. but it's not it's, oh, it's Cardiff city and it's this mm. and yeah, just yeah you he just couldn't get past that mm. sort of anxiety which is it's tough and i think in hindsight, now I probably would have kept him out of that system until he was a bit older, until yeah. he was about sort of 12, 13. Because the younger one, who's now 14, I, was, I think he was in the system for a little bit. And then after COVID, he came out through choice. Mm-hmm. And I think he'll he's, his plan is he's got like a master plan to get back in it by the time he's 16, ready to get a, an apprenticeship or a, yeah. Um, yeah. the equivalent. Yeah. But it's a good plan. Again, it's good to have targets, is what I tell him. And I said, just remember, you're competing against about a million yeah, other yeah. little boys who want to want to play. But he is, um, he yeah. is good. Mate. Um I never played football, of course, no? because um,
1: I used to work every Saturday, and in those days, Saturday was when the games were played. At you know, I would have played Sunday league or local league level sort of thing, and I did for a while, but uh, had to give up. Yeah, I thing. guess. So I went into squash, badminton, tennis, and all those sports. Summer sports.
0: Well, sports Summer you can play ish. in the evening. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose then it's just everything was three o'clock Saturday, was not it? Yeah. Like you'd be lucky if you get a couple of games at three mm. o'clock Saturday yeah. these days. Well certainly in the Premier League it's ridiculous. Some days there's like two games on at three o'clock <laughs> on a Saturday. Um so I, really a, a I really enjoyed having a good old chim wang you. I really enjoyed having a chat. Yeah. Um and I'm sure we'll I'm sure I'll end up inviting you back in. Anytime, anytime. I'm sure you've got more stories to tell as well. <laughs> but um, <laughs> It's, no it's been a pleasure thank you very much for joining me no Cheers. problem at all enjoyed thank being here thank him. you um, guys as always thank you for watching listening downloading whatever you uh, whatever you do thank you um, subscribe the YouTube channel and all that good stuff and uh, please do check out the sponsors violent um, money for your MMA apparel and training and stuff use the code ace nation uh, sigmatic coffee coffee sorry ace, uh, use the code ace nation and um, just those two at the moment, so there we go. Thank you very much. And see you next week. Oh, yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper?